Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Denver, Colorado, it's time for Franchise Bible Coach Radio. Now, here are your hosts. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Franchise Bible Coach Radio podcast with Rick and Rob. I'm Rick Grossman, and I'll be your co-host today along with Rob Ganley, my co-host, and I'll introduce him in just a moment, and he'll introduce our special guest today. We have Randy Welsh uh, from Jibu with us today. Very, very cool business model and a model that is giving back, and so we're excited to learn more about that. But folks, just a reminder that we are in the middle of the Fight for Your Franchise Challenge, which is just our way of giving back to the industry that we love. And so if you're not signed up for the Fight for Your Franchise Challenge yet, you can go to FranchiseBibleCoach.com and click on Join the Fight. And you can uh, sign up there for free. Just put in your name and your first name and your email, and you'll receive emails in your inbox on Mondays that will have a free coaching session along with uh, links to the entrepreneur article and the podcast, of course, and of, uh, an invitation to join our Facebook group. So you can ask questions and, and uh, share your successes and struggles and all that good stuff and uh, join our community of franchisors, franchise owners, and vendors and suppliers that support the franchise industry. So you can learn more about that on our website. So with no further ado, I'm going to go ahead and introduce my co-host, Rob Ganley, and he'll uh, get started with our special guest. Hey, Rob, how are you? I'm doing great. It's great to be here. And Randy, thank you for being here. Uh, I know Rick and I are very interested, and the audience should be too, in, uh, in what we're about to talk about. Uh, before we jump in, though, I wanted to go ahead and thank our sponsor for the program today, SEO Samba. Uh, they are the, uh, the inventors of the Franchise Marketing Operating System, which is a uh, franchise software for both franchisees and franchisors alike to collaborate and centralized. And you can learn more about that at seosamba.com. So with that said, Randy, uh, I'd like to welcome you to the program. R Randy Welch is the founder and CEO of Jibu. And so Randy, tell us a little bit about Jibu, how it got started, how you got to where you are today with that brand. Uh, thank, thank you, Robin Rick. It's an honor to be on the show. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, well, a quick history. I've been an entrepreneur all my life, pretty much. I don't know that I thought I was until recently, actually, when I look at the thread of my life. But I mostly was in the high-tech uh, business for the software industry most of my career and also heavily involved in nonprofits most of my career. Sold a business in 2010. And uh, what I said is I want to integrate both halves of my brain. I thought there had to be business solutions to poverty. At the time, I didn't know anything about franchising. Most of my business have been business to business, not even B to C. And um, so I got actually, we got recruited into World Vision, which is a large nonprofit to help them figure out why many of their water projects were struggling. And uh, the, the takeaway there was there wasn't enough true ownership on the ground. That project didn't go forward. In parallel, my son, Galen, who's a co-founder, by the way, he was just getting done with the Peace Corps gig in Morocco, where he was working on water projects and other things. He came back just as, as a quick landing spot at home. This would have been in 2012. He says, I said first, I said, he said it first is why don't we do something together? And now I have five kids, never thought I'd ever be in business with any of my kids, but we both knew Africa really well. I've been going to Africa for almost 30 years uh, for other reasons, business and other reasons. And uh, so we said, we got a year of our own, uh, our own money to invest. Let's figure something else to change the game in terms of how water is delivered 
So we, we launched in three countries simultaneously. It was Uganda, Rwanda, and DR Congo, thinking that two out of three would fail. We then learned from our, you learn from your failures, I think more than your successes many times, and we doubled down where it worked. And um, people said we were crazy, we even started with a franchise model in multiple countries, it was a crazy, so many crazy ideas. Uh, we started in urban areas versus the rural, a lot of things we did asymmetrically. And sure enough, two out of three worked, and that would have been 2014, and we've gone on from there. And we've about um, 2,000 sites now, but based on about 140 franchises across seven African countries. And it's just taken on a life of its own. I think it's, it's exceeded our expectations in terms of its, its impact and footprint. Oh, that's great. And so your model is a little different than we, we have uh, franchisors and franchise owners on our, on our show all the time. And we interview them for the articles and things, but your model is a little different. You have what you call an L3C. Is that correct? Yeah. It's a, and it's a different model and your franchisees are, are not domestic in the U S they're all over the world. It sounds like. Well, hundred percent of our franchisees in our work right now is in Africa. And that's just by, uh, uh, by necessity at this point, you can't outrun your headlights and expand too quickly. I mean, even though we, we, we have requests from 50 some countries, but an L3C is a for-profit business. It's like an LC, an LLC, only we also have to prioritize charitable impact alongside profit making. So it's, it's a, a hybrid social enterprise model. So um, we always have to align those things and, you know, most people think you have to do a trade-off. And if you're going to be into helping other people, you're going to have to sacrifice profit. We've not found that. Hmm. We, we feel like we've created a business model that serves the underserved. I mean, there's over a billion people in the world that don't have access to safe drinking water. It's an incredible market. So doing good is good business, you know, as well as doing good. So we sort of have both halves of that working uh, in us in terms of how we do it. That's wonderful. And how do you source the supply chain and, and how do you do that for, for the product? Well, supply chain, I, I would take, I would mean probably entrepreneurs and, and franchisees, you, I guess you're saying first, but that also tell the other part of the supply chain. The easier parts to talk about this, the part of supply chain, we, we source um, bottles and all sorts of parts from like 50 different countries, literally. It's, it's wow. quite a complex operation when you have this many countries you operate in. We thought we were going to have um, a difficulty uh, recruiting franchisees or entrepreneurs when we started because we're, we're the first franchisors in a few of the countries we operate in. Franchising is unknown. And wow. so, um, but it's been quite the reverse. Um, uh, it, we've, we've just had, I mean, if, I, if I'm in a store for, and I spend about, I live in, in Colorado, but I spend about six months of the year in Africa. If I'm in a store for a morning, there will be two or three people that walk in and say, how do I become a Jibu owner? They may not even know what franchising is because the business is designed to be there. They have to be profitable for us to be profitable. Just like any franchise model, it's a revenue share in the end. We, we take mm -hmm. a piece of the water that they sell uh, through a, just through a revenue, through a, the water meter actually is how we determine that. But so it has caught a life of its own. It's a very good business for our franchisees and the word gets out. So, um, it's been a pleasant surprise that we've had so many. Um, we had to we had to work harder to recruit women for some reason. Uh, more men sort of naturally gravitate this. I think because women don't think they somehow don't think that's an opportunity for them in, in these in emerging markets sometimes. Mm -hmm. And there are some of our best franchisees are the women, which is great. 
Yeah. Wonderful. Right. It, ta- it takes a heart to, to deliver what you guys are doing. It takes a little bit of both, right? I mean, it's, it's obviously, I have, I have yet to hear of a model like this, right? Where you're doing, making such an impact and, oh, by the way, it can be profitable, right? Mm-hmm. And I love the accountability in that model uh, where you're, you're, you're accountable account for both profit and impact. And that's amazing. So I guess the, the big question right now here in June of 2020 would be how has the, the COVID impact, uh, the pandemic impacted you or Africa, you know, how you're operating there, what, what's been going on from your side of things? It's a great question. You know, it was an unknown at the time, but I'll cut right the chase and say it's actually been a great opportunity for us and a growth opportunity for us. And here's why. Um, a couple of reasons. First off, we're designated as an essential service in all those countries because water is essential for people to have. Now, that's now without incredible difficulties because the lockdown uh, uh, procedures in each of the countries has been very different and sometimes very capricious. And even though there's um, licenses that our franchise employees have to drive to work, for instance, they'll get stopped by police and lashed for bribes and challenged the validity of the paper. And we, all those things happen. Uh, so, but um, the other thing is we built this model. We, so franchising is new. I'm surprised it hasn't been adopted more in some of these emerging markets, but we, we, we chose a franchise model because we were counting on the passion of ownership to solve a lot of African type of problems. Things like epidemics and corruption and uh, wars and all, all those things. And it's really, it's, it's held up well to now, but it's even shining more now. I, I'm I'm so amazed actually at how our franchisees have have taken the lead and stood up because they care about their because we choose them not just they, they all want to make money but they don't understand this is also about serving their their territories and they're only serving underserved territories that yeah Jibu is is eighty percent of our customers didn't have access to safe water before Jibu so we're intentionally our territories are designed around that, and these people live in these live in these neighborhoods and grew up with these issues, so they care. And so this this challenge comes up, and they're like, "I'm going to jump in, and I'm going to be a hero to my customer." So um, it's actually been really cool. It, it's, it's, we've lost some business just because um, it's just hard to get around. Sometimes deliveries can't happen. But the goodwill that's being created, I think, far strips that out when these lockdowns end in Africa. And so I think we've done pretty well. Wow. That's great. Is, um, how, how has it impacted your recruiting? Uh, you must have a different system for recruiting hmm. franchise operators than, than the standard domestic U.S. operators do. But has, it, has this COVID situation changed that uh, you know, yeah. your, your strategy there? Yeah, for sure. It's hurt us in that way uh, because we've had to put a pause, push the pause button on all our growth. I mean, we've been launching about one new site a week for the last five years and new franchises at a rate of about more than one per month. And so, uh, I mean, you really can't get out and and go into it. You just can't, you know, have the shipment, the the equipment shipped around and and launch is done. So we have a, a pipeline of franchisees. They're just sort of waiting for the, for, for the, the lockdowns to lift. But uh, yeah, that has slowed us up for sure. Exactly. So is your, as your style of leadership uh, evolved a little bit over the last three months, just in terms of 
your approach to dealing with what's going on and and I guess questions coming from them based on uh, you know the U.S. as well. I mean, just everybody being intertwined, right? Everybody's yeah. economy is mattering. Mm-hmm. Uh, how have you approached uh, your your communications with the franchisees? Yeah, let me just emphasize again. My son lives in Uganda. He is the one really operating this business, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he's the one, I haven't been able to travel there. All the airports are closed down. You can't even fly there. So unlike the U.S. where airports are open, you just have to, you know, certain false rules. So my, my, uh, my leadership has grown in a few ways. It's had to be more remote, you know, for one. But um, yeah, I mean, again, the, the heartening thing is, you know, when, this first th- when these things first started happening in the middle of March and the lockdowns were, were imminent and coming, we was an executive team got together and said, what do we want to do here? Well, it took us a few days to try to figure out what, what this was going to be. It was unknowns for everybody at the time. By the time we got out our guidelines to our franchisees, they had already implemented almost everything we were suggesting, things like mm-hmm. free delivery. They were get, they're, and they're giving free water to hospitals and clinics. And, you know, we sell water, by the way, in 20-liter bottles with a tap. That's one of our innovations. You know, so, and, and the bottle's sealed. So it's not just bring your own bottle, you know, it's safe water you and I could drink. And that's, again, one of our innovations in all this with, in the water business, but, which is unknown in Africa and these, in these places, but they jumped the gun and they just said, we're going to want out and do it. And, and so it's been nice to, uh, like, is, they're, they've had a learning curve, learning how to be owners in a franchise system where, where they're owners and they're not just relying on us coming and telling them what to do. This, I think, has been a turning point where we can really be uh, the guides that we want to be more than perceived as the boss is telling them what to do. I think that the light bulb, the light switch has clicked on in some of their minds a lot more, which has been absolutely fantastic. Well, we talk a lot about servant leadership and coaching as being kind of the, the, the best way to run a franchise. And it sounds like you, uh, you uh, adopted that a long time ago. So you're guiding these people through their business uh, journey. Yeah. Yeah. And this has just sort of reinforced it. So yeah. wonderful. It has. Well, like we all said, uh, and we all probably think is that this event has not been a great thing, but it has definitely created some opportunity and innovation and mm-hmm. changes in the way we all do things that I think are better in some ways. In some ways they have woken some folks up and, and allowed us to do things differently, uh, which might be better yeah. in the future. Yeah, you know, so I'll say one other thing that's been helpful to us. This comes back to being a hybrid social enterprise. You know, we most of our investment has come from the outside, from equity investors who are for-profit investors, who are impact investors who like this. But we also receive grant money occasionally. We have more in the when we first started than now. But there's been all these opportunities where we've had some of our past grantors ask us, do we need help or do our franchise need help? And that's been un- unbelievable, really. We've had some notable ones step up and, you know, help buy delivery vehicles and, you know, all sorts of things that have, that have helped us. It's just extraordinary, really, how it's been a rallying point. Like you say, there's some positive sides to this where you can bring people together to do things that we normally weren't, weren't doing before. So, exactly. So with the franchisees, um, you know, is there, it's not, you have 140 or more um, 
And, you know, is there a story or two that, that, you know, just kind of sticks in your mind as being, wow, that's, that was an amazing, that was an amazing thing they did. You kind of shared a little bit now, but any other yeah. stories? And Yeah, well, I, I yeah, I, I can think of one in particular. It's actually related to what I just said um, in, in this situation. It's actually before this situation, but even more so. One of our partners is called Kiva, K-I-V-A, and they're a crowd a crowdsourcing funding for not, a nonprofit that gives zero interest loans. And they've been our partners in the past. And what they've done is we, we sort of function as the go-between between Kiva and our franchisees. So, our, they, so then we create a little video for our franchisees that gets posted on the Kiva site when they need to raise money. Let's say they want to expand and they want to do something or they need a vehicle. And that I mean, the raves that we have gotten, and then they're the ones responsible to pay back that loan. You know, we sort of just stand in the middle trying to help all that. But Kiva has been an unbelievable partner. I'm just give a call out to them. But the benefit our franchisees um, have gotten from this, they have tears in their eyes. I mean, they, they say, I, I, my business wouldn't have made it without this. Um, I, I needed that extra boost. And business increased by 30% or 50% or whatever. Um, and it's, it's good that it doesn't come right at the beginning because they do really don't understand the business enough at the time to know how to spend that money if they had it at the beginning. So just working, you know, the sweat equity they put in helps them understand their business. And then when they get these loans, they're really able to make them very productive and leverage them into a lot more business. And the stories, there's so many stories around that. That's, I'd say that's one area where our franchisees are super grateful. Wow. And since, since you brought that up, can you think of a story of a franchise owner and customers and, you know, just going above and beyond and building a business and uh, against all odds in these challenging times? Yeah. You know, our franchisee profiles um, range from uh, super poor to not so poor, more educated. So there's a whole range of them. Um, and, the customers also, um, you, you know, I, I'll tell you the, the people that are the customer stories almost all come from women because the women customers are the ones who bear the burden of water sourcing for their families. Hmm. And so um, I could think of one of our franchisees in particular that really goes out of his way to serve uh, these families, uh, you know, and the moms have multiple kids and they're just not living in the greatest situations. And, and he, he, this guy goes out of his way to deliver water to her and everything. And she is forever raving about the fact that her kids no longer are experiencing all the health issues they were before GBU because they couldn't afford. They tried to boil water. That, that's somewhat effective sometimes, but that's not the greatest way to do it. And the less work they have to do to to um, try to get the water, make it pure. Uh, so um, the, the customer loyalty is uh, in these situations is, is extraordinary. When we're, for, compared to other bottled water, we're about a third the price. We're about the right. same price as a cost to boil 20 liters, which is a five gallon, like a five gallon bottle you would tip over onto a dispenser, but they don't have dispensers. Hence the tap is, the, is one of the innovations. You wouldn't think that's an innovation you know, but, but it is because it enables families like this to access water in quantity they couldn't before that's safe and delivered to their house. So hmm. that's wonderful. I'm looking at your website. It's just, it's a, 
an amazing business model. It's great. Yeah. You know, I may mention about the business model. One of the things we do that's an innovation, I'll just mention it real quickly, is most franchise models, the franchisees pay 95% of the upfront costs of a build-out of a store. They can't afford that in these countries, nor are they creditworthy. So we sort of flip the franchise model on its head. We pay, they pay us a license fee upfront, and I'll give you the numbers in a minute, and then we do the build-out of the store, so we're paying 95% of that cost. Mm. And so we're taking a higher risk, and we get paid back then through the water that flows through their water filtration system. We have we take a, a flat rate per liter, but they're making after their license fee and everything. Their 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 break even is six to nine months, and they're making money at that, which is extraordinary. So if they pay the license fee, they're hiring their employees, they're paying rent in the building, they're buying their bottles, they're doing all that, and they're still profitable very quickly. Our break even profit as a business is from one and a half years to two and a half years, depending on you know the country. But they're putting in a king's ransom for them, which is two to $3,000, if you can imagine that. We started at $200, was too low, because the business was such a great business for them. We put in about, on the, on the from, from the hard asset side, about 20,000 per site. So just to give us, yeah, I thought your, your listeners might appreciate the numbers that we're playing with. And and they're able to, we, we thought they'd have to borrow that money thing. They get it from family and friends. I mean, just the whole way the African economy works is different. You know, it's often informal. But because the business is so good um, for them, they're able to raise that money and get it. And that's more than they make in a year, some of them, before that. <laughs> they're raising that wow. money to start a business. So it's actually, it's just so hardening. All this is, it's just such a cool story. It's life-changing money they make too. Life-changing. Right. Well, so, and you're giving back to the community and hiring people. And it's just yeah. it's more yeah. than just, just the owners. It goes beyond to the whole community, I imagine. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Wonderful. Oh, what a great model. It's like selling hamburgers to a starving crowd. It's like food <laughs> and water, you know. Um, it's an amazing idea and such a great thing that to to be able to make that impact, right? I mean, we're, yeah. we're, it's something we would certainly take uh, for granted here in yeah. this in this world here. Well, that's amazing. So as we as we come to the end of the of the show, one of the things we like to close out with is just you know, especially given the last few months and. You share a lot of great ideas, but has there been anything that you could put your finger on or any, anything you wanted to share in terms of uh, tips or, or uh, anything to leave with the audience? Other, other franchise owners, other, other networks or brands, maybe something to share with them that you've kind of, you've kind of learned through this experience? Um, yes. If I had to use, say one word, it would be courage. Um, there's so much fear right now and courage is not the lack of fear. It's, it's doing the right thing in the face of fear. Right. And we've, Jibu is based on that principle to start, but it has further strengthened the, the need for that to find um, asymmetric ways, different ways to be heroes to our customers, to, to, to continue growing the business. I mean, every, almost every great innovation in history has come out of troubled times. And we can get so down, we can get so discouraged and say, oh, you know, but this is an opportunity for creativity and courage, as I see it, to, to take the forefront. And that, that's, that's what I'd, I'd like to leave with your listeners. Yeah, I love that. Wonderful. And what does Jibu mean? Does it have a... Yeah, it means the solution in Swahili. Yeah, very And we're nice. one of the only water companies in the world that doesn't have water or aqua or something in their name. Because... <laughs> We've seen it. We also sell things beside water, by the way. I should say it's a platform for other needed health, health uh, 
uh, products like uh, fortified cereals, some other things. And the solution we see is not just water, it's the employment ownership piece of it. So yeah. it's the package, but yeah, we sort of a cool word. It's like four letter, like Nike. No one knows what it means. Jibu's that way too. <laughs> well, that's a great well, brand. That earlier. Thanks Rick. Uh, I figured it had a good meaning, a good, a good purpose. Yeah. That's a great brand. Good deal. And how do you, how do you source the water? I mean, unless it's proprietary secret stuff. No, 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 no. We don't drill for water. We locate the shops, hopefully within about a hundred yards of whatever the water, whatever water source would be in the community. Could be piped water, could be a, a well or something, but the water is never pure. So right. uh, we, we pipe it into the back of the store then we install water filtration equipment. We teach them how to use that. They bottle it and seal it. So uh, we can filter any type of water and then we adapt the filtration system to whatever, we test all the water to see what type, how it's impure. Like there's different types of impurity in all types of water. And we then customize or tailor the filtration system to purify that water. So um, that's how we do it. So. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty environmentally friendly too. I mean, it's like, it's very low energy water filtration. The bottles are all reusable rather than just return. They're returnable, I should say. So okay. it's like a gas tank exchange. So they okay. buy a bottle once with, with water and they get the water free the first time. And then they bring it back sort of like a Coke bottle return and they get, they just buy the water from them. That's one of the reasons it keeps the water price low. Gotcha. Like the old propane tank you put in your barbecue. Exactly. It's exactly that model. Yeah, that's right. Oh, great. Well, awesome. And I can just imagine there's places all over the world that are waiting in line to get a, get a, be a part of that. Um, yeah, we've had a lot of interest and it's sad. We have to just say, wait, we just can't yeah. go fast enough. Um, particularly, I mean, we, we'd like to eventually move outside, move off of, move away from Africa. I mean, outside of Africa, we have a lot of requests from South America, Central America, Southeast Asia, but that requires a whole different, some different support staff and there's some language issues and things. So we'll eventually get there. And there's, there's quite a bit of Africa we haven't covered yet too. So. Um, Wonderful. All right. Well, Rob, anything else you want to add? No, I, you know, a lot of ground to cover there, but it sounds like you got your hands full moving forward to do it. And uh, what a great story. You know, I, I'm good here. But it's, it's been it's been fantastic. You've asked great questions, and uh, it's been an honor to share. It's it's something um, I I've done many things in my life. This is the hardest thing I've believe me I've ever done actually, yeah, but by far the most rewarding. I thought I had hard jobs before. This is hard. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. But yeah. the end result is very crystal clear, and that's yeah. so yeah. good for you and all the great work you're doing. And um, we, one of these days, maybe we'll have you back and have maybe get your son on with you. Yeah. Oh, he's the he's the star of the show. You know, you, should get him, you definitely should get him on. You can talk to him from Uganda. You know, you, we can set something up. So yeah, you know, a bit of a time difference there. Yeah, from uh, from Colorado where I am, uh, it's nine or ten hours depending okay. on too bad uh, whether we go daylight savings or not. So we can get up early and. Grab a cup of coffee and get him on. Yeah, get a bird and he's, he works late because he's dealing with the U.S. too. So, oh, yeah. Right. But, uh, you know, so. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much. We, we appreciate everything that you're doing out there as a franchisor and as an entrepreneur, Andy. And we, we know that uh, 
uh, I was just saying earlier with another guest that there are, there are entrepreneurs all over the world. And sometimes we think that, especially here in the U S that franchising is just a U.S. thing. Mm. And uh, we kind of sometimes forget that there's business owners, franchised and non-franchised business owners and entrepreneurs all over the world uh, that are working hard every day to get through this time. And uh, everybody's, I, like I said at the beginning of this initiative a few months ago, it's like everybody went off the cliff at the same time with mm-hmm. the COVID-19. And, and, uh, and here we are trying to get through this time and not only to survive, but to thrive. And the innovation, the entrepreneurial spirit, the the uh, drive of the business owner community and the franchise community has just been phenomenal to watch and be a part Mm of very, very fun to see the new ideas coming up and the new technologies coming through and the way that the customers are being served. uh, Mm -hmm. Like you said, uh, at, at the local level with, with people pitching in on deliveries and things like that. I mean, it's just when there's a will, there's a way uh, (laughs) with the entrepreneurial spirit. My dad used to always say, so, um, very good. So everybody, uh, please go to FranchiseBibleCoach.com and, and tell your colleagues and friends to participate in the Fight for Your Franchise Challenge. You can join and be a part of it anywhere in the world. You can sign up for free. It's a, it's a no-strings-attached initiative, and you just sign up with your email and your first name, and you'll get in your inbox every Monday an email with the free coaching session. And we use our franchise Bible uh, coaching strategies and best practices in those coaching sessions. And then you'll also have access to the entrepreneur article as well as the podcast and an invitation to participate in our franchise Bible coach uh, Facebook community. So you can ask questions and and post ideas and thoughts and participate that way too. We're a, we're a global community of franchise people. So uh, please uh, join us and, and be a part of that. So, Folks, thank you for joining us for the Franchise Bible Coach radio podcast with Rick and Rob. And we'd like to thank our special guest, Randy Welsh uh, from Jibu. And you can check them out uh, by clicking on their logo on the Franchise Bible Coach uh, Fight for Your Franchise Challenge page. We've added your, your logo there with the link to your franchise information, Randy. And what's your direct, uh, what's your direct um, I'm sorry, your um, website address that they can look at. Yeah, it's um, jibuco.com. Let me spell that, J-I-B-U-C-O.com. Jibuco.com. Yeah. Perfect. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, I'm Rick Grossman signing off, and thank you. We'll see you next time on Franchise Bible Coach Radio. Bye-bye now.